Have you ever been thirsty? I mean really thirsty. Chances are you haven't. I mean unless you've been stranded in the desert. Unless you've gone on an extended fast including liquids. Unless you have had this extreme workout and you're at the point of dehydration. Or unless you have some kind of medical condition that causes you to be thirsty, chances are you have never really experienced true thirst. Not your mouth is so dry that you can't spit thirst. Not your head is throbbing thirst. Not you're dizzy and your body is cramping thirst. You see, we can go without food for weeks, but we can only go without water for days. This morning, we're looking at the fifth phrase that, that Jesus uttered from the cross. And let me give you a little bit of review as we get started. The first phrase Jesus uttered dealt with his love for us. Over and over again, while Jesus was nailed to that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Jesus didn't say that once. He said it over and over and over. He was asking his father to forgive those who, who falsely accused him. To forgive those who condemned him. To forgive those who beat him. To forgive those who nailed him to the cross. To forgive those who mocked him. And he was asking the father to forgive us as well. You see, the Bible says that even now Jesus is up in heaven at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And I believe one of the things that he is saying even today is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. If you've ever doubted whether God loves you, if you've ever doubted whether Jesus loves you, I'm here to tell you this morning that he loves you with an everlasting love. The, the second phrase that Jesus uttered from the cross was a phrase of hope. There were two thieves that were crucified next to Jesus. One of those thieves over time began to realize there was something different about Jesus. And, and once he was convicted of his sin, which obviously he came, he looked at Jesus and said, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said to him today, you will be with me in paradise. Here was a thief who was condemned to die. He was being executed for his crimes. And yet Jesus said, you can be forgiven. You will be with me today in paradise. There are some of you maybe here this morning who think that you've gone too far. You've done too many bad things to be forgiven by God. But I'm here to tell you, nothing is too bad. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how far you've fallen, if you will acknowledge your guilt before God, you will admit your need, and you will cry out to Jesus, I'm here to tell you, Jesus will hear you, He will forgive you, and He will save you. The third phrase Jesus uttered from the cross had to do with family. He wanted to make sure that His mother was cared for. But in doing that, he revealed to us that our family obligation extends beyond those who we are related to through human blood. Our, our obligation extends to those we are related to through the blood of Jesus. We are obligated to take care of the family of faith. 
And so as believers in Christ, those who are part of the family are part of our family. And we have an obligation to make sure that their needs are met, that they are taken care of as long as we can. Last week, as we looked at that fourth phrase, we looked at the most agonizing words Jesus said from the cross. And I believe they were the most agonizing words that have ever been spoken. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, when Jesus was, was dying on the cross, he was not only enduring the physical agony of crucifixion, he was enduring the spiritual and relational agony that came from being separated from his heavenly Father. You see, Jesus was separated from the Father temporarily so that you and I would not have to be separated from the Father eternally. Don't ever forget what Jesus went through to pay for our salvation. It wasn't just that he physically suffered and died. Jesus experienced the depths of hell, separation from his Father, so that you and I could be forgiven. But the phrase I want us to look at this morning deals with the physical agony that Jesus went through. You see, the one who set the heavens in place, the one who separated the water from the dry ground, the one who caused the rain to fall from the sky and flood the earth, the very first time it rained, is now crying from the cross, I am thirsty. I want you to listen to what it says in John chapter 19, verse 28. It says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. I mean, in a matter of minutes, Jesus was going to be dead. I mean, after hanging on that cross for six hours and enduring the cruel beating and scourging that he went through before, now for the first time while he is on that cross, he expresses his physical suffering. Jesus is hanging on that cross. His, his back has been beaten to the point that his organs are exposed. His flesh has been mutilated. He has been on that cross in the hot sun for six long hours. And now, after all that time, his lips are cracked and bleeding. I believe that his Eyes are probably glazed over. Most people say that at this point his tongue would have been swollen to about three times its normal size. Scientists tell us that one of the most agonizing pains we can ever endure is the pain of thirst. Every cell in Jesus' body was crying for a drop of water. With the loss of blood that he had went through, through all of that torture, and, and then hanging on that cross in that hot Middle Eastern sun, he now cries out, I am thirsty. But I want you to notice what it says. It says, to fulfill Scripture, Jesus said, I am thirsty. You see, Scripture revealed to us hundreds of years before Jesus ever hung on that cross that he would be on that cross. I don't know about you, 
But every time I read in the Old Testament a prophecy that is fulfilled in Jesus, it blows my mind. And there's hundreds of them. There are two that deal with what Jesus said at this time. I am thirsty. In Psalm 22, verse 15, it says this, My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue stips, sticks to the roof of my mouth. In Psalm 69, verse 29, it says, They offered me sour wine for my thirst. Every single thing that was prophesied about the Messiah was fulfilled in Jesus. Over 350 prophecies. And so if you're here this morning and you're struggling as to whether to believe that the Bible is true or not, if you're here this morning and you're trying to figure out whether this Jesus that lived a couple of thousand years ago really was who he said he was, you're trying to figure out, did he do what he said he came to do? Then I would encourage you to look at the Old Testament, read all the prophecies that are fulfilled in Jesus. And I believe that you'll see that the Bible is a supernatural book and Jesus was exactly who he said he was. You see, the cross wasn't an accident. The cross wasn't a mistake. It was God's plan before time began. But Jesus didn't simply say, I'm thirsty, to fulfill Scripture. His saying this did fulfill Scripture. But I believe Jesus said this for a much more important reason. I think as Jesus cried out in agony on the cross, saying, I'm thirsty, it reveals two things to us. The first thing it reveals is that Jesus was human. Jesus was fully human. You see, we need to be reminded that Jesus put on human skin and he entered the world to become one of us. Jesus was a man, a human being, just like everybody in this room. You see, one of the mysteries of our faith is that Jesus is the God-man. Jesus is 100% God, and yet at the same time, he is 100% human. Jesus has always been God, and he always will be God. There was not a point in history where he became God. There wasn't a point in time when the Father looked at Jesus and said, Hey, you're doing a great job. I'm going to make you God. No. Jesus has always been God. But he has not always been man. There was a point in human history when Jesus took on human flesh and became man. And I believe Jesus is still the God-man. He ascended to heaven in that resurrected body. And I believe when he took on flesh for you and I, he was taking on flesh to become that God-man for the rest of eternity. Now, there are some people that say, well, Jesus is God, but he's not a man. There are others that say Jesus is a man, but he is not God. Both of those views are wrong. You see, the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus is both God and man. That's one of the core beliefs of Christianity. And you cannot believe biblical Christianity and not hold on to that. So let's look at these two things. 
First of all, the Bible teaches that Jesus is God. Now, there are more passages than I have time to deal with, but I want to give you two. The first one is found in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 14. Listen to what it says. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word became human and made His home among us. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning. When there was nothing, there was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, the Word took on flesh. The Word became a human being, and He made His home among us. What the Bible teaches is that before there was anything, there was the Word. And the Word was there with God, and the Word was God. They were one and the same. Somehow, someway, that Word that was always God took on flesh, the flesh that you and I are wearing today. He became a man, and He made His home among us. As you read through John's Gospel, from the first page until the last page of this Gospel, one of the things that John is doing is he is revealing to us the deity of Jesus. His deity is revealed in in how he spoke. His deity is revealed in what he did. His deity is revealed in the authority he had. His deity is even revealed in the worship that his disciples gave to him. Jesus is God. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul said. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. In other words, the God who is spirit that we cannot see. Jesus is the visible image, the picture of that God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Everything was created through him and for him. You see, when Jesus was here on this earth, walking on this earth, he was Emmanuel. He was God with us. Everything that is God is found in Jesus. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, it says, In Him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of God in bodily form. In other words, everything that we need to see about God, we see in Jesus. Jesus is God. But Jesus is also human. I want you to listen to a few verses. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. Now, write that verse down on your note sheets or in the margin of your Bibles. Hebrews 2, verse 17. Because that's an important phrase, every respect. You need to understand that Jesus became like us in every respect. His brothers and sisters, so that... He could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. He became like us in every respect so that he could express God's mercy and God's faithfulness to us. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Hebrews 4 verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses For he has faced all of the same testing we do. The only difference is he did not sin. Jesus understands what we're going through. 
You see, we have a Savior who has experienced every single thing we've experienced. And He promises to walk with us as we go through those things. Maybe you're here this morning and you're suffering physically. You've got some illness, some ailment, some disease. Let me tell you, Jesus knows what it is to suffer physically. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been abandoned by someone you love. Let me tell you, Jesus knows what it is to be abandoned by people that he loved. Maybe you've lost someone that you love, a, 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 a spouse or a parent or a child. Tradition tells us that when Jesus was a teenager, his earthly father died. He knows what it is to experience loss. Maybe you've been misunderstood or misrepresented. Boy, Jesus can relate. You see, Jesus has been through everything we've been through. He has walked where we have walked so that he can walk through it with us through those same experiences. Whatever darkness you're facing in your life, Jesus has already walked there so that he can walk with you through that darkness. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, listen, he gave up his divine privileges. Let that sink in. Though he was God, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. Jesus limited himself. When he became a human being. Jesus was born of a woman. The Bible says he grew in wisdom, statue, and in favor with God and man. What that means is that he grew up physically. He grew up mentally. He grew up emotionally. He grew up relationally. Jesus knew what it was to experience hunger and thirst. He knew what it was to get tired. He was the water of life, but he was thirsty. He was the bread of life, but he was hungry. He was the one who said, come to me, all you who are weary and need um, and, are, uh, and are burdened, and I will give you rest. And yet, he knew what it was to need rest. Jesus healed the sick, and yet he suffered and died. Jesus was like us in a human body. But I want to go a step further. Because Jesus not only had a human body, Jesus had a human mind. He had a human heart. Jesus had a human will. We are told that his soul was crushed with grief. We are told that he was amazed at the centurion's faith. We are told that he became angry and deeply troubled. We are told that when he prayed on earth, he prayed with loud cries and tears. The prophet told us that he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. John Calvin put it this way. Christ has put on our feelings along with our flesh. Jesus had a human body. He had a human soul, human emotions. He had a human mind. You know, some of us have this idea that when Jesus was born and, and he was put as a little infant in that manger, that he had all knowledge at his disposal. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that he grew in wisdom. Some of, you, some of you young people wish that you didn't have to study 
You wish that somehow, some way you could just put the book down and, you know, put your head on it and through osmosis, the knowledge and the wisdom just kind of sinks in. It ain't going to happen. Even Jesus had to grow in wisdom. Jesus had to grow in knowledge. He had a human mind. Jesus had a human will. That's why Jesus prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, Jesus took on a human body so that he could save our bodies and give us a new body. He took on a human mind so that our minds could be saved. Without becoming a a, a man in his emotions, he could not rescue our heart. And he took on a human will so that he could save our broken and wandering wills. Jesus took on humanity in all of its forms so that each and every one of us could be saved to the fullest. Someone said it like this. They said, he became man in full so that he might save us in full. When Jesus said, I am thirsty, it reminds us that Jesus is not just God, he's also man. But I believe there's something else in this statement You see, I believe as Jesus cried out from the cross, I am thirsty, he was letting us know that nothing in this world will ever quench your thirst. I want to say that again. I believe with all my heart when Jesus was on that cross and he cried out, he was letting us know nothing in this world will ever quench our thirst. Let me remind you of what had just taken place. For three hours... The world was in darkness. The the sin of the world came crashing down on the shoulders of Jesus and he took the full weight of humanity's sin. And when he did, for the first and only time in eternity, Jesus the Son was separated from the Father. For the first time and the only time in eternity, Jesus knew what it was to be spiritually disconnected. I know this may sound strange, and some of you may think it's a a little too far. But I believe with all my heart, when Jesus was on that cross, He knew spiritual thirst. He was separated from the Father. The Father turned His back on Him. A connection that he had had forever was broken. And now that connection with the Father was gone for a moment. And he was spiritually thirsty. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, Jesus is traveling with his disciples. And the Bible said that he had to go through Samaria He didn't have to go through geographically through Samaria, but he he had to go through because there was a need there that he was going to meet. And he went to this village called Sychar, and and Jesus waited for his disciples to go in town and buy food, and Jesus sat outside the village at, at this well, Jacob's well, waiting for them. The Bible says Jesus was weary. Jesus was tired. And while his disciples were in town, a Samaritan lady came out. She came out to get water. And Jesus looked at the woman and said, give me some water to drink. And that that request by Jesus 
started a conversation. A conversation that moved from liquid water to living water. Because you see, all the water in the world will never quench our deepest thirst. And so I want you to listen to what Jesus said to this woman. John chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and and who you're speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You see, Jesus knew that the things of this world would never satisfy this woman's deepest needs and desires. She had already been through five husbands. She was living with a man at that moment. She went through relationship after relationship, probably thing after thing, and she was still thirsting. Jesus was trying to tell her that no amount of the water of this world will ever satisfy your deepest thirst. And the same thing that was true for that woman is true for us today. You see, we are born with a thirst. We're born with a desire. We know there is something somewhere that will quench this thirst. And so we try and we try To quench that thirst. We try to quench it through sex and relationships. We try to quench it through money and possessions. We try to quench it through power and fame. But the more things we get, the more relationships we enter into, the more we realize that nothing in this world quenches our thirst. And we're like this woman at the well that that realizes, I need something more. And here's what I believe. If you're here and you've never experienced a life-changing relationship with Jesus, I believe more often than not, you go to bed at night and you put your head on that pillow and you look up. And you wonder, is there something more? Because there sure feels like there needs to be more. It sure feels like something is missing. And I'm here to tell you, when we don't have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, something is missing. We're thirsty and we're going to stay thirsty until that thirst is quenched through the relationship. And that's why Jesus cried out for a moment in history that relationship was severed. And all of a sudden, Jesus knew what it was to thirst. Not just physically because he needed water to drink, he was human. But he knew what it was to thirst for intimacy with his father. Because it had been broken. And he was going, I've had enough. I'm thirsty. 
I need the relationship restored. And I want you to know, no matter who you are, you need that relationship. You may have a six-figure income that allows you to buy anything you want, go anywhere you want to go. You may have a corner office and you may tell hundreds of people what to do. You may be married to the most beautiful woman or the most handsome man in the world. Or you may have your pick of any women or any men. But I'm here to tell you that those things, they'll never quench your thirst. Only a relationship with your father will. That's what you were created for. And until it's restored, you're going to be thirsty. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he died. So that our thirst could be quenched. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. And with your head bowed, with your eyes closed. If you're here and, and right now you know that that's what you need. You need a relationship with God through Jesus. Then I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to humble yourself before God. Acknowledge your need. Admit your rebellion. And ask Jesus to forgive you and save you and change you. Take control of your life. If that's what you want to do, you can pray this prayer right here, right now. Dear God, I humbly come before you this morning. Asking you to forgive all my sins. I've rebelled against you. I've lived life my way. I'm so sorry. It's left me empty. It hadn't quenched my thirst. I know what I need. I need you. Father, I know you sent your son to die on the cross so that I could be forgiven, so I could be restored. Today, Father, I'm asking you to save me. I'm trusting what Jesus did on the cross to provide my forgiveness. Please come into my life and take control. Make me brand new. Lord, I'm yours. I'm surrendering it all to you. Thank you for hearing my prayer.